Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm Dan Gubby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC is back in the apex this weekend for UFC Volkov versus Rosenstrike, a heavyweight tilt that has some implications in the heavyweight division. Neither guys are all that hot right now, but they are certainly top-level guys. Plus, we got a couple other great fights that we'll be breaking down as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will be particularly profitable this upcoming weekend. Plus, as always, I'm bringing you guys the interviews. This week, I'm talking to Joe Selecki as he talks about getting in the right mindset following his first ever UFC loss after being 3-0 prior to that. Then I'm talking to O'Day Osborne about giving up the teaching profession, something that was very hard for him so that he could focus in more on training, where he moved, and all kinds of other great things surrounding what's next for O'Day. So we're going to get to all that great content for you, but before we do, I have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there each and every week, you can catch out the, my bonus pick that you can only see on the Top Turtle MMA page at betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready, the fighters are ready, listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Joe Selecki, who fights Alex Da Silva at UFC Vegas 56. That fight is on June 4th. So, Joe, I want to start talking about MMA, but before I do, the grappling nerd in me has got to ask you, I saw recently, well, I guess not recently, I guess it's about six months ago now, you went 2-1 at Abu Dhabi Trials. T- tell me about what got you into deciding to do Abu Dhabi Trials, like smack dab in the middle of, of MMA fight camps in your MMA career. Yeah, I mean, well, I, you know, I came up doing jiu-jitsu uh, my whole life, you know, but uh, I would say definitely the biggest thing was losing the last fight. You know, it was uh, I wanted to do something to try to get that taste out of my mouth because losing is just the worst. And, um, you know, it was something that was different than what we're doing, you know, so it was like uh, a great opportunity. And it was one thing where you go, um, you know, it's not like I'm going to a local tournament and being a bully where it's like this is what I do for a living. I'm going to go try to, you know, find some guys that are just, you know, both locally and try to beat, you know, beat them. I was going to go compete amongst the best and see where I fared, you know? So um, that, and it was in New Jersey and I'm from New Jersey. So any chance I get to go home and train at half its jujitsu where I grew up training, where my lifelong instructor is, uh, I always want to take that, you know? So it was kind of the perfect storm of uh, right after the fight, looking to compete and go back home a little bit. That is awesome. And, and is that something that you plan on going back to? Is that something that you, you know, you hope to one day qualify or is that like, like you said, just kind of the perfect storm, a, a good chance to not be a local bully and still get some grappling in? Yeah. More of what you just said, like getting to, you know, stay active, keep the sword sharp and uh, you know, and all of that. But I, it did, you know, doing that, doing a couple other super fights and stuff since then uh, has definitely reminded me like, this is what I love to do. I love to compete. Like I always thought like when I retired from fighting one day, I'll be done. I won't be the guy out there competing in like master's divisions and stuff. But like, I think now (laughs) that's going to be what I'm going to be doing. Like 
I knew I would be teaching for the rest of my life, you know, in some way, shape, or form, God willing. But I was like, man, I'm going to be the guy in, like, 60 Glass of Masters Worlds or 80s, easy, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, because um, it's a blast, and, I, and it's, it's part of who I am. So, yeah, I think in some way, shape, or form, depending on what it is, but trying to compete at the highest level that I, that I can do, you know, for my age or wherever I'm at at the time. I love that. And, and I'm glad you mentioned the super fights, too, because I did want to quickly mention those. You, you mentioned them almost in passing, and, and they're, they're actually super high-level super fights. You, you picked up a, a win over Donald Cerrone, uh, who, who you know has been known as a, a damn good grappler his whole career. And then you went to an eight-minute draw in that, uh, that quintet-style tournament with Gregory Rodriguez, a guy who's much bigger than you. Like, how do you feel about both of those after the fact? Is Did one of them stick out as being, you know, more impressive to you than the other? Uh, yeah, definitely. Probably the Cerrone one just because of the magnitude of, of that name, you know. But, uh, the you know, I'd say other than the trials, which was like a, a couple, me and a couple of my teammates did it, and my coach, John Salter, but then getting the call to go to the like the quintet-style tournament at the, uh, the Apex was huge. That was another one that wrote me back into, like, having fun competing and it was exciting, you know? So that was fun in its own way, especially cause like I never got that, um, you know, team mentality of like high school wrestling. Cause I, I never wrestled. Um, so going out there where you're like, yeah, like it's definitely win or lose for me, but we're doing like a team thing and it wasn't as serious. So it was a good time. And that's probably the only time I'll get to be at the apex for not a UFC fight. So it was like a good, like dry run of, staying with that adrenaline and the nerves of being there, being, you know, in that small crowd, feeling the intensity of the lights. But I'm there for jiu-jitsu, which is something I've done since I'm six. Um, but definitely enjoyed the surrounding match the most because, uh, you know, A, the magnitude, but more so is like, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm back home where I grew up, had my lifelong coach, John Hassett, my corner. And uh, it was the holiday, so I got to bring my wife and my daughter. And I don't know that I'll ever get the, the privilege of having my daughter at a fight because she's pushing two years old. So now she's getting that phase where, like, you know, if she was a newborn, she wouldn't know what's going on, wouldn't get scared from the crowd and all that. But now, I don't really think I want her in an MMA event. But, you know, grappling was like the perfect event to have her at. Uh, I got her on the mat afterward and had, had that picture. I'll have that for the rest of my life. So uh, it was cool. That one stands out for sure. Very awesome. Very awesome. Now, you know, you've mentioned multiple times here in, in a couple of these different answers about making it fun again and bringing it back to it. Do you feel like that's something that you lost going into that fight with Jared Gordon, a, a guy who, you know – had a really tough back and forth match with you. Yeah, um, I think so. I think just for forgetting how blessed I am. You know what I mean? And um, you know, not I, I've, I love training. I've always trained super hard. I've always had a good time. But uh, I think I was listening to a lot of the noise of being three and zero and feeling that pressure, which I always do well with pressure. I still perform in the fight, you know. But uh, I don't think I had that smile on my face getting on the plane to go to fight week. You know, uh, it was a very much. Uh, a couple things that just came to the surface of putting pressure that wasn't necessary, listening to outside opinions of what they thought my ceiling was or whatever it was. And that's not why I got into fighting. You know, uh, I'm super blessed to be here. God's given me gifts that I'm able to use to, to glorify him and to provide for my family and to have a platform that, you know, most people only dream about. And I think for a brief moment in time, I really forgot that. And, uh, I had to be reminded of that real quick. And I think Jared Gordon was the one who did it for me, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't like I took it for granted or anything. I trained harder than ever for the last fight. But I think a lot of it was, uh, you know, and I don't know that would have changed the outcome of the fight. It's not saying that. But uh, just feeling more fulfilled day in and day out, walking into the gym, being intentional with my time and going, man, like, what what a blessing it is to be in here and getting ready for the next fight on TV. Like, what a cool career that we get to have for this brief period in time. So uh, 
I don't, I cannot say I felt that last fight, but I can say that for every other fight in my career since I started, I felt that, you know, and it was just that one perfect storm of maybe the three, and know, a little bit of imposter syndrome, a little bit of pressure from the outside and uh, all just closing in. And, you know, at some point in time, we're all going to cave to something. I'm just glad it was to that and not some of the other things these guys had to deal with. Like, uh, you know, imagine the pressure of being Conor McGregor or someone crazy where, you know, when you're caving to something, it's a lot worse an effect on your life than one loss in fighting. So uh, I'm just lucky it was, it was uh, you know, if anything, it served my career better, I think. Yeah, and, and so you, you mentioned in there, too, just like the thought of being more intentional in, in, you know, taking not taking things for granted and knowing what you're doing every day is really cool. Is that there's something that you do in particular to make sure that you keep that with you throughout this fight camp and, and have carried this going into the fight with Alex Da Silva? Uh, yeah, not for not necessarily for fighting. I mean, definitely fighting, too, because fighting is a huge part of my life. But just for my daily life, man, I, I pray. You know, I pray. I read my Bible. I uh, spend time in the Word, you know, consult our pastor. Like, that's that's my life, first and foremost. That's why I'm here, is to, to glorify God. You know, and that's something that I think uh, maybe I forgot last time, and I was more looking to glorify myself and win, bottom line, you know. Which, trust me, I want to win on June 4th. I want to win every time I compete in anything. But... Uh, the motivation is a little different. The reasoning is what it should have been all along and what it was before. And uh, But, yeah, that, that, you know, in every area of life because I've got to know that, you know, I'm going out there to to do what I love and to, you know, to carry myself in a certain way, to represent my family, my friends, and ultimately, you know, perform to the best of my ability where last time I, I didn't feel that, you know. And even going in the gym, I, I felt like I hit a point in my career where I was kind of a monster in the gym. Like I was not – and, you know, maybe I'm being – I'm exaggerating, but for, for my standard of how I should be, you know, I'm a coach, I'm a, I'm a teammate, I'm more than just a professional fighter. Like I need to be accessible to guys in the gym to, you know, I'm covering some classes, I'm teaching once, a, once twice a week, weekly. Like I need to be an asset to these people. Like this is my platform to, to help other people change their life, you know. So – um, it's easy to get caught up in like this pressure that you make up in your head or whatever it is, you know, uh, even, even talking to you right now, like it's, it's awesome. You know, one day, you know, maybe not you, but I'm just saying like one day, no one's going to care, you know? So, uh, just, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing I do is, is just, uh, praying and being grateful, but also praying for the, the strength to, you know, to deal with the distractions, to deal with the pressure, to deal with the doubt, to deal with all the stuff that is going to come with fighting on the professional level, you know? Absolutely, and I, I love hearing that kind of thing. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about this fight because De Silva is a guy who, who in his UFC stint, has, has shot a lot of takedowns. He's a guy who likes to drag the fight to the ground. But but I'm curious in, in thinking about him and game planning for him, is, is that something that you expect him to do against you? Is that something that you think he's going to try to continue to do despite the fact that you yourself are a really accomplished grappler? Yeah, I, I really don't know, you know, and I think another thing, and I, we keep going back to the last fight, but, you know, um, anticipation, I, I just, I have none, you know, he's so well-rounded, it's kind of nice, because I got to be ready everywhere, so uh, it's nice, because I can watch him at the beginning of camp, then turn it over to my coaches, and we've done no focusing on him, we've talked about him, of course, and they've studied him like fiends, like, they know the ins and outs, but none of the language leading up to it has been, he's going to do this, he's going to do that, it's been... Uh, we got to be ready for this. We got to be ready for that. We got to, we have to do this no matter who's in front of me, because ultimately, Hey, tomorrow, something could go wrong. He can get COVID or God forbid, or whatever it is. And we got somebody else in the driver's seat for him, you know, and we got to be ready for them. Like, uh, and that's how I've always been. And even last time we really 
hammered home with uh, Jared Gordon, like, he's going to come forward. He's going to do this. And the first step, he, the first thing he did was take a step back and start fainting uppercuts. And that was not – I thought he was going to try to walk me down. So, uh, really, it's going to be going out there in present tense and making the reads, you know. And I have good eyes. I have a good fight IQ. I'm pretty fast out of the gate. So, if I do my job, I like to think that anywhere he goes should be wrong, you know. And I think the later the fight goes on, the better it's going to be for me because I'm good at applying pressure. I like that a lot. Now, I usually ask for a prediction at the end of these, but as you just said, you're kind of nebulous in where this fight's going to go. So I want to end this by asking you about, is that your preferred method of breaking down a fighter or having a game plan, like basically having no game plan and relying so much on, on your coaches, on John Salter, on Jeff Jimmo, to, to sort of put that plan in place or to let you know the things that you like to know or need to know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we study these guys. We know, like, I know where he's good. I watched him. And like I said, I really do trust my fight IQ to watch stuff, break it down, uh, retain the info. And I did that with him. You know, I know where he's good. But, uh, I know some of the shots that he likes to throw. I know some of the things that he throws that are, uh, you know, a little more, not rare, but you don't see as much. So my sparring partners have been doing that. I'm aware of it. I'm just not watching it every single day and going, he's going to do this for sure. You know, um, and same thing with the coaches. Like we have, we have a template. We know the things that we need to do maybe more this time than others. We defended certain kind of shots because he's got a great level change. But not going out there going, he's definitely going to shoot, or he's definitely not going to shoot because you're a grappler, or he's been out two years, he's going to come out hot or not. You know, there's too many variables. And, uh, you know, I just got to be me. And, and, I, and that's the thing. My coach, yeah, the coach has done a good job of that. Um, my kickboxing coach, Alan Branch, has done a, been a really big help about that because we just linked up, you know, two and a half months or so, or so ago before, right before I got the fight. And um, getting to learn his system and add that in, it goes, you know, it's very fundamentally sound. So it's a lot of things I know, but putting it into like a system format has been so much fun for me too, because now, again, it's just more focusing on the technique at hand or, you know, working on my game and implementing it where you go, well, it's going to fit in really well for this fight, but also it's just growing my game. So you almost are putting your opponent on the back burner and worrying about yourself 95% of the time, which, which is my favorite way to train. You know, it makes it fun because, like I said earlier, you know, with the competition and all that, like I'm a lifelong martial artist and that's one of my favorite things is going into the gym to improve where I would say, I always know how to work hard. I'm always going to work hard, but I'd say last time, maybe for the fight before that was just going in the gym to grind, you know, not to grind and also get better, you know? So, uh, that's been the biggest thing. It's like a return to being a martial artist. Well, we're looking forward to exactly what that's going to look like on June 4th. Once again, fans, this has been Joe Selecki, who fights Alex Da Silva at UFC Vegas 56. And once again, that's on June 4th. Joe, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Great talking with you. I appreciate it. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Joe Selecki. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I'm going to start here. We didn't have a UFC last weekend, so I'm going to jump right into UFC Vegas 56, which is this upcoming Saturday. We're getting a headliner, which is Alexander Volkov versus Yair Rosenstroik, and it's kind of a hot topic on Twitter right now. What do you think of all these random-ass heavyweight main events? I, I love them, actually. I actually think the heavyweight division is more fun right now than it has been... I almost would have to go back to, like, maybe 2016, like, Mark Hunt still around, uh, Brock had a brief cameo comeback. I don't know. I'm having fun. I like all these guys who've been main eventing recently. Maybe that's just me. 
I will say this too. I think the one this weekend between Volkov and Rosenstreich is actually not like one of those ones where you expect to end in like two minutes or be a boring 25 minute fight. Because if you remember back to that Rosenstreich fight with, with Overeem, the one where he splits his lip wide open, you know, like he largely got outstruck, but in kind of a fun striking match for 24 minutes before he absolutely blistered uh, Overeem with that punch and wins late. Volkov is a guy who's both like, you know, put on longish performances and, and also has gotten hit late, right? Like we watched him lose despite the fact that he beat Derek Lewis for 14 and a half minutes. So like it, it, it has a dynamic that does not make it feel like, okay, one of these guys is going to knock each other out in 30 seconds or we're in for a boring matchup. I actually like it too. I like it. Well, listen, we've teased it. Let's actually get right into it. Let's do our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, Parlays, for UFC Vegas 56. But before we start breaking down fights, giving out live dogs to play, and a parlay to play at that, does any fine company sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? Absolutely. Fight Stocks and Parlays is brought to you by a new sponsor of ours, MMA Play 365. MMA Play 365 is a predictions and betting service out here trying to make the public money on UFC and MMA in general. For one super low fee, you're going to get access to their professional handicapper with a six-year winning record that gives you full breakdowns, parlays, and their official bets. But that's not all. For that same exact price, you get access to their brand new Bayes AI prediction software. That's right. They've got software that predicts fights and they use advanced algorithms to give you the percentages for all the possible outcomes in every single UFC fight. They've got packages of all kinds of length and sizes to fit your needs, including a daily fantasy sports one, if that's your gig. So go check them out at MMAplay365.com. Don't forget to use promo code TOPTURTLE. That's in all caps, no spaces, T-O-P-T-U-R-T-L-E for 10% off their annual package, which is already ridiculously affordable to begin with. So it's a deal you can't pass up. That's MMA Play 365. All right. Well, let's get right into it then. It's Volkov, a minus 150 favorite. Roizenstrick, a plus 130 dog. Fun little matchup we got on our hands here. Our boy Jerezinho is coming off loss to Curtis Blades, beat Augusto Sakai before that. Lost a serial game before that, so one and two in his last three. That's dating back to 2021, so he fought three times in 2021, going one and two. Now, Volkov, on the other hand, also coming off a loss to Tom Aspinall, straight armbar, submission loss, beat Marcin Tybora, uh, lost a serial game before that, but here was really the best string of wins in his UFC career, he beat Walt Harris and Alistair Overeem back-to-back. In October 2020, TKO'd Walt Harris and TKO'd Alistair Overeem in February of 2021. So he's 3-2 in his last five, 1-2 in his last three. Both guys need a win here. Who you got? Yeah, it's, it's a weird spot here for Rosenstrike because on one hand, you know, you look at those losses and you see, you know, he's lost three out of his last five. But Curtis Blade, Surreal Gain, and, and Francis Ngannou, arguably the three best fighters in the heavyweight division right now. So, like, on one hand, you're like, you want to write those losses off and say that he's, like, doing fine. But in those losses, he's looked, like, weirdly passive, right? Like, especially the Surreal Gain one, he just looks scared. To, to sort of engage and was fine just getting outpointed. And to an extent, he was kind of like that in the Junior Dos Santos fight until he knocked out Junior Dos Santos. So I'm a little bit worried about what that means for him in a fight against somebody like uh, Alexander Volkov. Because Vol- let's face it, Volkov is an absolute beast. 
Um, he uses his range really well, and I think that range is just going to scare Rosenstroik away enough that Volkov is going to win a lot of rounds. Now, with that being said, as we talked about before this segment officially kicked off, Volkov is a guy who's been knocked out late in fights. Rosenstroik is a guy who's got punching power until literally the last second of a fight. So I'm going to go with Volkov as my official pick here, but hey, I would not be surprised, and this is why the line's close, if Rosenstroik lands that big bomb later on in this fight when he gets a little bit desperate. Um, But officially, I'm taking Volkov. Officially, I like that pick as well. I go with Volkov too. Let's move down in weight class, oh, about 120 pounds or so, uh, to a fun featherweight fight, Dan Ije and Masvar. Avluev, uh, I might have butchered that name, but don't butcher this man's career because he is a very exciting 28-year-old prospect out of Russia. He is 15-0 and in his pro career, and in the UFC, he is 5-0, and coming off a de- unanimous decision win over Hakim Dewadu. Uh, facing EJ here, uh, who's on a two-fight losing streak to Chan Sung Jung and Josh Emmett, and because of that, you have to figure that's going to be reflected in the odds. And, of course, it is because Danny Gay, a plus 300, while Masvar Avloev, a minus 380. Strong, solid, almost 4-1 to one favorite. Assume you're taking our boy, Masvar, but I'd like to hear a path to victory for Ige if one exists. You know, I'm actually not going to pick Movzai Avluev. I actually think Danny Gay is a ridiculously good value in this fight. He's a guy who stuffed takedowns from tons of the best guys in the UFC. You know, like, you know, you take his fight with Chan Sung Jung. Chan Sung Jung only hit three out of five takedowns. And and personally, I think the grappling of Chan Sung Jung is better than Evluev. And yes, Evluev is a guy who has won almost entirely on his grappling. He's undefeated. His only real sizable win here really impressive win is against Hakeem Dawido who's you know like you said mostly a kickboxer he's, he's not a guy who is going to wrestle you you take a, his fight against somebody like Enrique Barzola who's fired and now fighting in the Bellator Bantamweight Grand Prix or wherever it is he's fighting he went four of 11 trying to take down Enrique Barzola so like it's not like he is this like prolific grappler and Ige has stuffed prolific grapplers in the past right like he's a guy who can like he can stuff takedowns fairly well. He's got a good grappling game of his own right. He's fought a way higher level of competition than Evloev ever has. I mean, like he stuffed seven takedowns from Mirsad Bechtik, who I think is a phenomenal grappler. So I actually think Ige at this number, it would be stupid to bet Evloev at that number. But also, I just think that like Ige could really pull this out at like a plus three hundred number. Wow, I love it. Send your hate tweets to at Gumby Reeland, but if it works out, then thank at Top Turtle MMA. All right, we got another strong favorite here, Aaron Blanchfield, who I am a huge fan of. The uh, Jersey grappler is undefeated in the UFC at 2-0. and She's 8-1 and in her career, uh, coming off a unanimous decision win over Miranda Maverick. Her grappling is next level is Aaron Blanchfield, and that's why she's a minus 600 favorite to J.J. Aldrich, who's a plus 400 dog. I cannot assume you're taking Aldrich here, although Aldrich is on a three-fight win streak with a win over Jillian Robertson, coming off a win over Jillian Robertson, um, lost to Sabina Mazzo before that three-fight win streak. 
Uh, and really, you know, you blink, and next thing you know, J.J. Aldrich has been in the UFC since December of 2016. Um, in the UFC, she is 7-3. and three. Who you got here? I'm going Blanchfield. You know, you, you mentioned yeah. it right at the top. Like, I'm a massive Aaron Blanchfield fan. What she did to Miranda Maverick, it seems unspeakable. It doesn't even seem real. Because, like, I, I thought that that fight was going to be the biggest test of Aaron Blanchfield's career. Because, let's face it, like, she's a great grappler with hands that are definitely coming along. But she was up against Miranda Maverick, who is ridiculously strong and has got a great wrestling base in her own right. And not only did she beat her, she beat her at her own game, controlled her, and absolutely made her look like she's never wrestled before in her life. And I think that's the difference here in the Aldrich fight, is that, like, Aldrich beat Jillian Robertson because, you know, Jillian Robertson does not have particularly good takedowns. If she gets you to the mat, her jiu-jitsu is phenomenal, but she has trouble taking you to the mat. The difference here is Blanchfield takes you to the mat easily because she's got great takedowns in like seven different ways she's got trips she's got judo throws she's got double leg takedowns she's got whatever she needs to get you there and i think ultimately that's going to be the end for aldrich it's really only going to take one time of her being on the mat and i think blanchfield gets the either the tk or the sub whatever she decides to end it with (laughs) i love it agreed johnny muñoz jr plus 115 is our official dog of the week let's hear it yeah, so first of all, I like Danny Gay too, but I wanted to throw Johnny Munoz in here as well over Tony Gravely because, look, I, I actually think similar to Ige here, I think Johnny Munoz's wrestling is being slept on. And, and one of the things you'll notice about Tony Gravely in most of his fights is that he tires really quickly, especially when faced with somebody who can go toe-to-toe with him in the grappling department. Because Tony Gravely does like to throw those hands, but he also falls back to his wrestling quite often. It's good, for good reason. But when we saw him struggle with that before in the past, he tired out really quickly. I think Johnny Munoz is the right kind of guy to stuff enough of those takedowns, to frustrate him on the feet, to just tire him out, and sort of gain momentum towards the middle part of the second round and all the way through the third round. I think you're going to see Munoz pull out two out of three rounds. All right, our parlay to play, Jeff Molina, minus 190, and Benoit Saint-Denis, a minus 155. Two favorites, pair them together, they'll get your plus 150 odds. Let's hear it. Yeah, I'm, I'm all over Jeff Molina in this one because, look, Jeff Molina working with uh, working with our boy James Krause has looked phenomenal. He's fighting Shaga Shumagulov here, which is a guy who, uh, you know, like, I don't even know what to think about Shumagulov. He's 1-3 in the UFC. He only beat Jerome Rivera, who I think went 0-4 or 0-5 before the UFC eventually released him. So, of course, you know, Shumagulov's got a win over him. But, like, he seems like sometimes he doesn't remember what kind of fighter he is. If he wants to be a grappler that day or if he wants to be a striker that day, he kind of just morphs into whatever. And the thing is, is I don't think he can hold Molina down even if he tries to grapple. And the range is going to be so hard for him to find because Molina's long. So I expect Molina to pick him apart on the feet and win there. St. Denis here is fighting Nicholas Stolza, uh, who's a German guy, with kind of terrible takedown defense. His only win came from, like, a knockout. So... I think St. Denis, who showed in his last fight that, dude, it is going to take two by fours to the brain in order to knock this dude out, is just going to take over with his grappling and his overall toughness. So, yeah, I like St. Denis here and Jeff Molina to get you 150 on the return. Boom. That wraps up another wonderful edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Hit us up on our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. Same thing goes for our IG, at TopTurtleMMA. Let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty with these picks. Gumby, this train is a rumbling down the tracks. Where should we stop next? 
Well, we're going to transition now to my interview with O'Day Osborne, who talks a little bit about leaving the profession of teaching to train full-time out in Vegas. And he, he made that decision after a pretty tough loss. So we're going to talk about all of that great stuff in just a moment. But before we do, I do have to mention that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Room Social Virtue, this interview with O'Day Osborne. All right, and joining me today is O'Day Osborne, who fights Zaruk Adeshev at UFC Vegas 56 on June 4th. So, O'Day, I want to start here. You know, it's it's almost June at the time of this interview, and uh, I know you're a teacher, so i got to ask you, harder part of this, the year for you, the end of the school year or the end of a fight camp with the weight cut? <laughs> Um, so actually, I actually quit my job to move out here in Vegas uh, a few months ago um, before the my last fight when I fought in Madison Square Garden. So I, you know, after I fought Manil Cop and you know he had that flying knee, I was just like had a had a um, a rude awakening, and I was just like, you know what, I can't do both. So I ended up, you know, quitting my job and moving out here to the Syndicate, where I'm now located. And, and is that okay? So, so that that obviously answers the question. The fight camp's harder because you don't have to deal with the kids at this point. But, uh, I, you know, I, I gotta ask, like, is, was that a hard thing for you to give up? Because I know we've talked in the past, and you know, that was a kind of a big part of your life. It, was it hard to decide to let that piece of your life go? Honestly, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. You know what I mean? Um, mainly because I I love teaching and it was you know it's my passion man i love working with, with, with kids and everything but you know it's like the whole I've, I've said this dozens and dozens of times it's the airplane oxygen mask theory you know you have you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you can put the oxygen mask on everybody else you know what i'm saying so um you know I, I needed to do what was right for me and make that sacrifice in order to um gain what i needed to that makes a lot of sense, definitely. And and I want to ask you, too, is, is that something that you want to go back to at some point in your life? Obviously, you know, the MMA thing goes extremely well. We, we could be set for life and never have to worry about working again. But is that still something that, like, deep down inside is something you want to go back to doing uh, at the end of all of this? It's possible, yes. Um, you know, if MMA, like I said, this MMA, UFC goes really well and become a champion, it doesn't, it doesn't matter champion or no champion it doesn't it doesn't define me i work with kids because i love working with kids not because you know of of the um money or anything like that obviously you know what i mean but um now that I'm, I've, I've been away for a while i think i more so would want to do something along the lines of like possibly working with a school instead of uh working in a school you know what i mean does that make sense yeah, it makes total sense, too. And, and, you know, I know, obviously, you just mentioned your move to Syndicate, and I want to talk about that in a second, too. But I, I know Syndicate has a big children's program, too. Are you are you involved in any way, shape, or form there? No. Like I said, you know, um, uh, I, I just I, I made a statement before, the oxygen mask thing, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. <laughs> I moved out here just to focus solely on, on training. And um, like I said, the, the sacrifices that I, I have made – um, it's not just for me, but also for the kids to, to look up to me 
and and understand that in life you have to make certain sacrifices and uh, to get what you want because that's just how the way the, the cookie crumbles. That's definitely makes a lot of sense. Now, let, let's talk about the move to syndicate and the choice to move to syndicate. Because you mentioned it came right after the Manel Cap fight, which, you know, didn't go your way. He had a, a spectacular knockout leading into that. What made you decide syndicate of all places was the place that you needed to move to, to up your training level? Um, honestly, it was John Wood. So I don't know if you're familiar with John Wood. I, uh-huh. He's just, he's just a, a very awesome person you know um his not just his coaching style but you know i i, I kind of studied him a little bit and just the way he carries himself and i i i love the the kind of person that he is and uh it made it made the the jump easier that's really great to hear now you know we are we are familiar with john wood and all that he brings and we know that for the most part he's a guy who a lot of people talk about his striking skills and his skills as a striking coach so is that something that that you felt like you needed to spend more time on? I knew you come from a wrestling background, surprisingly, which you know, like we're, we're going to talk about that in a second too. But was that something that you felt like you needed to hone more, or was it more like you said, the personality type thing? It was honestly, it was more the personality type thing. It's uh, it's it, it's it's more of what fits me. Honestly, I wasn't really in a comfortable position at the gym that I was at, and. Um, me and the head coach kind of, you know, we, we butted heads a lot and, you know, it, it, it definitely, uh, I would say it played a role in, in a lot, you know what I'm saying? And I just, I just wasn't comfortable there. So I, I, I've thought about leaving a few times before the Manil cop fight, you know what I mean? The Manil cop fight was just a blessing in disguise. I would never, if I had to go back and take that back, I wouldn't because now I wouldn't have been where I am today. So yeah, John, John's, the striking is just a plus. It's a it's an added bonus. You know what I mean? Um, he he's great at, at at what he does. You know, I'll never tell him that because he's got a big ass head. But <laughs> <laughs> no man, he's 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 phenomenal. He is. And, and now I I know too that you you know you were obviously training at Pura Vida and in a little bit of Rufus Sport before and out in in Milwaukee. So, you know, the move to Vegas is, is a big move for a lot of people, right? That's a completely different part of the world, a completely different thing. What, what has that been like for you over the last year? It's been, it's been really, really good, you know, and I just put my faith in God and I, I, I just let, let him do the work. And um, it, it's been amazing. Um, I, obviously, in Vegas, there's a lot of distractions that come with Vegas. But if you're, if I moved here because I want to hone my craft and i moved here because i want to become a better human being within um the sport of uh, mma and uh you know i want to i want to be i want to be a, a ufc champion and, and uh syndicate just had every it, it checked all the boxes that i i, I wanted that's great to hear now i, I want to talk a little bit about this fight coming up with zaruk adeshev because He's a guy who comes from a kickboxing background, and you yourself have shown in the UFC to have some of the, you know, really phenomenal striking down at flyweight. Is this a fight where you see yourself standing and testing yourself against this guy's kickboxing? Man, I love when people stand with me. You know what I'm saying? I I always want to test myself against somebody else's skills. You know what I'm saying? I see, but wherever the fight I, I i don't know you know what I'm, saying? I'm not gonna limit my my abilities just because of my own ego you know what i mean so wherever the fight goes if if he, he 
is coming in wild and doing something crazy, I might take you know take it to the ground. I might not. I, I have no idea. I'm not. I'm not saying one thing or another. I, uh, but I do feel like I want to put on a show for the fans, and uh, you know, I want to showcase what I've what I've learned in the past year and how much better my skills have gotten. If you thought my skills were were good <laughs> before, wait until you see the the new and improved Ode Osborne. Well, we are absolutely looking forward to that. Now, you mentioned you like that people stand and trade with you and that they want to fight with you on the fee and you want to put on a show. But I got to ask, you know, in doing a little research, you're a guy with a pretty extensive wrestling background. You were a three-time state finalist in high school. You, you wrestled in college. Like, why did you take to the striking art so much and, and sort of, you know, not, not completely go away from your, your wrestling background, but, but sort of went away from your wrestling background? Yeah, because wrestling is boring as shit. Who wants to sit there and watch somebody on the floor? You know, it's, it's, it's boring. You know what I mean? It's like, it's one of those things like, yeah, I could wrestle somebody and do what I do. But at the end of the day, like, I want to put on a show. Like, why Why else am I? This is, I'm in the entertainment business, right? Like, what the fans want to see people get knocked out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, coming out of Contender Series, when I, before I got on the Contender Series and I saw... I saw, um, I don't remember who it was that fought on the Contender Series, but, you know, he chose to, to shoot the last 10 seconds of the of the fight where he was dominating, and Dana White didn't sign him. So then I was like, okay, I know what I need to do. All right, say less. Y'all, you want to see some striking. Okay. So, you know, you, the, 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 you got to give the people what they want at, at the end of the day. You got to give the people what they want. I love it. Now, so usually before I let my fighters go, I like to ask for a prediction. You're going to give the people what they want. What's that look like come June 4th? Oh, I can't tell you what it's going to look like, but I can I can give you a, a brief idea. It's going to be exciting. That's all I can say. It's going to be very exciting. It, it, it's, it's, we're going to tear that octagon apart. Well, we are looking forward to that, and we're looking forward to all that you bring to that fight. And once again, fans, this has been Ode Osborne, who fights Zaruk Adeshev at UFC 56, that fight on June 4th. Ode, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and of course our new sponsor, MMA Play 365. Make sure to use promo code TOPTURTLE when you buy an annual subscription there this week. Do it this week. Uh, once again, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TopTurtleMMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland. He... Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We'll catch you then.